In the midst of a discombobulated night in a massive blowout, the Jazz did have two bright spots, and we're touching on them next on Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. On today's show, we will talk about two bright spots. Two people are shining in the midst of a disappointing performance in Memphis. What happened in Memphis? That was pretty ugly. Uh, Also, a great comment on my Twitter slash X about pain tolerance from yesterday's show I want to dig back into and then we'll look at Minnesota as well as the mystery of John Collins uh, which now means that we are afflicted by the mystery of John Collins it seems like every Hawks fan was as well so uh, I've made no progress there I am David Locke radio voice of the Utah Jazz Jazz NBA insider and as I mentioned this is Locked on Jazz it's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz all of you who have sent me your raps your Spotify listener, and you get the end of the year wraps. You're an everydayer. Thank you so much. And if thank you for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We're also on YouTube. Our YouTube question of the day is, what is Simone Fontecchio's role once Lowry Markkinen returns? What is Lau- Simone Fontecchio's role once Lowry returns? Hit me on X on that as well as on YouTube uh, with our question of the day. Thank you for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. As I mentioned to the everydayers, we greatly appreciate you uh, and all you do for the program. All right. I think I gave you the layout of the show. I think you know where we're going. So let's talk about the two bright spots. One of the questions was whether Walker Kessler, when he opened the year this year, was going to have, he didn't seem to have the same impact that he had a year ago when he was the third best defensive big kind of after he started uh, in the NBA, if you go back and look at his numbers, Brooke Lopez, uh, Brooke Lopez was better um, in that time period. And I think uh, Jaron Jackson was right up there in his, in his MVP or his defensive player of the year uh, season. But you also had Walker Kessler was just terrific. Like Walker Kessler was truly one of the best defensive bigs in the NBA. So if we look at a year ago with Walker, he was the second best screening big on the pick and roll. And then team shot 61% at the rim uh, within, or when, excuse me, when they were within six feet and um, to start this year. And last year was 51.5%. So we were like legitimately concerned, like, wait, what's going on with Walker's impact on things. And if, and if you went back and looked at Walker after he started last year, um, he it really was like his defense was awesome. He was one of the elite defenders in the NBA. Um, if we want to just kind of review this, he moved in the starting lineup on January 10th. He averaged 12 points and 13 rebounds in those games. The defense was only 21st, but they were fifth in allowing shots at the rim. He was defending eight shots a night inside six feet, uh, which was the eighth most in the NBA. Only Brooke Lopez was better and opponents were shooting 14 percentage points below average. So, um, and for the whole season, it was 13%. And as I mentioned, the only guys that were better were Brooke Lopez, Jaron Jackson, and Draymond Green. So 
like, okay. Like, and then we started this year, and as I kind of alluded to there, when we started this year, he went from allowing for the season, Walker went from allowing 51% at the rim a year ago to suddenly 61% or within six feet to 61%. Well, let's get an update on that. All of a sudden now, teams are shooting 50% at within six feet of the basket on Walker again, and he's back to being 10 percentage points better than league average. So he, and, and this isn't just in the last three games, but he's only played 11 and his last three games back have been, have been way better. And we can dig into that as well. But if you look at the league right now, uh, actually interesting. Zubak is the best in the league at defending inside six feet. Teams are 16 percentage points below uh, what you'd expect. Uh, inside six feet. Then Przingis is second. Joel Embiid is third. Brooke Lopez is fourth. Chet Holmgren having massive impact is fifth. Evan Mobley sixth. Surprisingly, Jaylee Johnson, who's Jalen Johnson, is hurt in Atlanta. And then Rudy Gobert and Walker Kessler are right next to each other because they just seem to be destined to be. Um, both are allowing 50% at the rim. Walker's defending six a game, which is a little lower than it was, but he's also playing a tiny bit less. Um, than he was a year ago, and I think he's ramping up to be able to play uh, more. Walker, a year ago, I think the number, I just said it a minute ago, and of course I can't remember, but I think he defended eight ga- shots a game at the rim, and he's down to six. So that's that's noticeable, and he's got to get back to having that same impact. But it's really a positive sign that you can see that all of a sudden Walker is back to having the impact that, he wa- that he's been having on games Um from and previously, and if you look at, I just pulled it up. I, I thought just while we were talking there, that might be a good idea. Um, if we look at the last three games um, for Kessler, he's at he's defending seven shots a game at the rim. Teams are shooting thirty percent, thirty percent at the rim. So the differential is twenty eight point three in the last three games. Like he's been really impactful again. Um, and so that is a great sign, like in regards to the importance of what's going on, having Walker Kessler kind of have that positive impact on things again is, is a great sign. And then tonight's a big challenge, obviously, with Rudy Gobert. And I think at some point the Omer Yerksaven against Jonas Valanciunas was really, really good. Um, Omer Yerksaven against a more mobile big like Jaron Jackson was not. And frankly, Omer Yerksaven is not going to be our starting center for the future Walker Kessler is. And so Walker's gone from 21 to 27 minutes. And I would suspect he moves in the starting lineup pretty quickly. And by the way, he's averaging 11 points, nine rebounds, two assists and three blocks a game. He's kind of right back to where he was before. And he was right before the injury as well. And it's worth remembering that the injury happened on opening night. So that's a great sign is that we're seeing Walker Kessler kind of return back to being Walker Kessler that we anticipated he was going to be. The second great side is who knew that Simone Fontecchio was a defensive stalwart? This is nuts. So last night, Simone Fontecchio, and every day, as you've already heard the other numbers, if you're the first, thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen, I'll, I'll get to the numbers of what he's done now in the last three games. Some of you know what's coming. All right, so last night, Simone Fontecchio guarded Desmond Bain, who's a six foot five. 25-point game scoring guard who is, like, nasty and has comes off screens, pin downs, catches, drives, three-level scorer, like, lots, like, nasty. And probably, you know, for a guy, Simone's big, but, like, I think our first 
everyone's first reaction would be like, well, okay, I don't think Simone is going to handle this matchup. And early in the game, I thought, well, he guarded Brandon Ingram, but Ingram's catches and kind of is mundane off the dribble and not going anywhere. And I don't think that you're going to have, like, Bain's really driving to the rack, doing a bunch of things. So last night, Simone guarded this score in the matchup numbers, and, and there's some flaws with this, but he guarded Desmond Bain 74% of the time. They were both on the floor last night for 28, 29 possessions last night. Desmond Bain got one shot off. It was a three, and he missed it. In fact, in the entire time Simone Fontecchio was on the floor last night, only one player took a shot when he was the primary defender. Like, Will Arden wants Ochai Abaji to think about being, like, a primary defender. He wants these guys. Like, Simone's doing it. Simone is playing insanely hard every position. Will Hardy was really interesting after the game the other day or before the game the other day, about what is it that Simone does so well. And that is the fact that he makes the, he does this incredible job of going in and never dying on a screen, never, ever dying. And so he, what he said um, that I think was most interesting was that when he gets caught, and he's trailing, and Valanciun is set to pick on him. His ability to fight back into the play is elite. So when trailing, and his length, I think, um, allows the, allows you to do that as well. It's interesting because I wouldn't think that's as important against Desmond Bain, but it's the same concept. He's coming off a ton of pin downs. He's coming down a bunch of off-ball screens to get the ball, and then he's curling around and playing in the paint. He did have a few assists, but you're, you're – hey – you know what, like, so David Roddy makes a shot or does this, like, at some point, that's, you're just trying to get the ball out of Desmond Bain's hand. So, okay, well, maybe his defense is impacting the rest of the team. It's not. He guarded Desmond Bain for 29 possessions. They scored 32 team points in those possessions. For the everydayers probably remember this, but if we stretch this out a little bit to what he did against Brandon Ingram, it's a, it's a bit nutty. So we'll do that next. We'll talk about the loss. I'm not just avoiding the fact that we got our handed to us in Memphis. And then I I got to be honest. I am now a victim of the mystery of John Collins. And I think every Atlanta Hawks fan is chuckling because I think they're really used to the, this concept. And I, I am now on board and not I, I'm I'm confused. So I'll share that um, coming up here in a second. Uh, on the program. We're just getting started. Like, hey, we might have lost and been down by 20 to Memphis and had a brutal loss. That doesn't mean this show isn't bringing content. We got stuff to talk about. And a brilliant comment on my uh, Twitter about uh, pain tolerance from yesterday's show. So I got, we got, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for those of you that are Spotify wrapped with me. Thank you for those of you that jazz fans are big enough to be on. We're going to bring it every night. Every day, I promise. On the broadcast, Ron and I are going to be there, and Locked on Jazz is going to bring it as well. 100% every single day. I ain't lying to you. Promise. Today's show, today's energy mess of a show is brought to you by our good friends over at Game Time. Game Time is the official NBA app of, or excuse me, ticket app of Locked On. I've used Game Time for various things recently as we've kind of increased my wife and I have increased our as empty nesters, our event taking in um, and game time is really great for about 
well, multiple reasons, but for me, there's three things I want in a ticket app. One, I want to have it to be easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in my area. Don't make it hard for me. It's super easy. Number two, I want to view from all my seats, all the seats in the venue, so that I don't end up with obstructed view. I bought pink tickets in Atlanta, excuse me, in Indiana on the road for <clears throat> um, through game time. I want a lowest price guarantee. I want event cancellation protection, and I um, as well. So I want the lowest price guarantee. They do that, and they, if you find the ticket somewhere else, you get one hundred and ten percent. I want also. I want to know I can get tickets late for a great deal for an average of eighteen percent savings with zone deals. You can pick the section, and Game Time picks the seats um, and gets you the best seats possible. Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section or row for less. Game Time will credit you one hundred ten percent of the difference. So that's why Game Time is official app of Locked On, and why Game Time is your answer. So now download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app. Create your account and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download Game Time now. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Jazz have a uh, holiday uh, mini plans available right now. By the way, um, so if you uh, they have their regular mini plans, but they also now have Utah Jazz have holiday mini plans available. They're pretty great. You also. Um, and actually, part of uh, what makes them so great, they're at utahjazz.com, by the way. Um, with the holiday mini plan, you get, you ready for this? This is kind of cool. Um, you get jazz notes. What? What are jazz notes? Um, jazz notes are money you can use um, to buy food or uh, team shop. And I think you get $15. Um so you can go get yourself a new hat or something like that. Um, and you get a ticket to see the Salt Lake Stars. Um, and that last night, our guy Taylor Hendricks was awesome. Um, so that's all at utahjazz.com uh, for you. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz today. Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh if you haven't caught it, the new national 24-7 stream is locked on sports today. I plan to have it up in the room all day long. Fired up for it. It's the first ever 24-7 stream. Uh, for those of you who are Amazon Fire locked on video on demand, it's going to be launching on Amazon Fire shortly. Oh, my gosh. We just keep growing. It's crazy. All right. So back to Simone Fontecchio for a second. Because this is kind of nutty. I actually have a hard time believing this. So let's go back to the last three games where Simone has started and guarded the number one defensive player. So in the first game against Brandon Ingram, he guarded Brandon Ingram when they were both on the floor 71% of the time, and Brandon Ingram shot one of eight. And the Pelicans scored 18 points in the 35 possessions in which Simone Fontecchio was guarding Brandon Ingram. Game two, he guarded him 60% of the time. Brandon Ingram got off 11 shots, went four of 11 in the 30 possessions in which Simone Fontecchio was guarding Brandon Ingram. They scored 22 points. Okay, so the Pelicans, if we put those two together, in 65 possessions, scored 40 points. Now, these are all half-court possessions, and half-court offense is about one point per possession, so it's not like one point, a little less maybe. So, but, like, okay, like, that's not anywhere close. 65 possessions, the Pelicans scored 40 points. Last night, in 32 team possessions, or 28 team possessions, the, the Grizzlies scored 32 points. So. All of a sudden, 
you look at the numbers of in 93 possessions in which Simone Fontecchio has been guarding the best offensive player of the other team. The opponents have scored 72 points in those 93 possessions. We're a dreadful defensive team. And I have a word of caution at the end of this show today. I didn't know if I was going to do this, but I guess I just said I was going to do it. Um, About our defense. But Simone Fontecchio is having a massive impact. Walker Kessler is having a massive impact, which like gets back to the YouTube question of the day. Like when Lowry Marketing returns, what is Simone Fontecchio's role? I mean, I don't think Simone Fontecchio can start the two over Jordan Clarkson, but there's part of me that's like, we're so bad defensively that maybe. Or does Lowry Marketing slide into the four and Simone said Fontecchio stays in the game at the three and John Collins comes off the bench? Which gets me to the mystery of John Collins. So, it ha- here's what happened last night. Rob Boone and I are doing postcast and we're giving out stars. And, like, the obvious star last night is John Collins. And something about it, I was just like, I don't think he was, like, I know he put up numbers. But I don't feel like, there's nights, last night the whole team was just totally discombobulated. Like, I thought Memphis was great. We walked into a hornet's nest. I thought I mean, literally if you listen to yesterday's show as an everyday or you heard me say it like, OK, they've lost four in a row. They're exactly where we were a week ago. And then Taylor Jenkins postgame pregame press conference was exactly Will Hardy's press conference of like a week ago. And they've come up three days of practice. And I was like, we're getting hammered like we're getting hammered and we got hammered. Um, we started really, really well. And I was like, oh, I was wrong. And then it, and then it happened. It came undone. And Will Hardy's point afterwards is we've got to learn how to, how to do a better job of that. Um, and, you know, and frankly, we can continue to have all these conversations about how we're going to get better and how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. But like, this doesn't even include last night, the last five games coming in. Keontae George is shooting 31% and 33% from three. Colin Sexton shooting 41% and 42% from three. Taylor shooting 33% and 22% from three. And Jordan Clarkson shooting 34% and 23% from three. I said those super fast so that you couldn't remember them because they were all dreadful. And then last night, Jordan goes 4 of 10. Sexton goes 3 of 10. Taylor Horton-Tucker goes 2 of 12. Keontae goes 2 of 6. Like, honestly, like our guard play is just such that it's super hard to win consistently. Now, I'm now going to zero in on why. Somehow, I looked at John Collins last night, 17 points, 3 of 5 from 3, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, and I, like, Something felt empty to me. So I, I don't know, honestly. Um, he's putting up awesome numbers. In his last seven games, he's shooting 46% from the field, 42% from three. He's averaging 14 points in 31 minutes. He's grabbing eight rebounds. He's been negative every game. Now, we've lost five of the seven, so like... But we lost by Phoenix by three. It was negative seven. We lost to Phoenix by three. It was negative four. We lost to L.A. by 32. He was minus 29. Portland, he was minus eight. Minus six in a win against New Orleans. Minus two against New Minus eight last night in 14. Like, it's not. He's really doing some pretty, like, his numbers are really good. He's double figures every single game all year. Like, talk about awesome consistency. Doesn't pass the ball much. Um, 
like anybody was hoping to get any playmaking out of him. That's not true. Like on an average given night, he throws five passes that lead to a shot. Like that's it. Um, on a given night, he throws like 20 passes a night, 29 passes, but most of them don't lead to a shot. Like, I think that's an interesting statistic is like how many of your passes actually yield something coming out of it, right? Like Clarkson's percentage of that is usually fairly high. He's a little over 33%. John's at one out of six, basically, of his passes yields to a shot. Like you'd hope that somebody who's driving the lane and in the paint and doing that kind of stuff would yield a a shot uh, on his passes more often than 16% of the time. Lowry's no better. I just want to make sure that like we're being perfectly clear. Lowry is six points. I mean, this is like, this is the next step on Lowry, right? He doesn't dribble or have the ball in his hands long enough for him to have this kind of impact. The, again, every day as we've talked about this throughout, but Lowry's, at, but Lowry, who's we've talked about is at 21% of his passes yield to shots. And, John's at like 16% of his passes yield to shots. Like that's a super low number. I could probably run to see how many players in the NBA are lower, but it's not many. Um, you know, so like Jordan, as I said, is high. Kelly Olenek is at right around 33% of his passes yield to shots. Like just an example, John Collins throws 29 and a half passes a game. Kelly throws 31 and a half. Kelly leads to 10 shots. John leads to five and a half. Okay. It's a pretty big difference. Also different how they play and what you expect out of them. I'm not sure I'm expecting John Collins to do those kind of things. Um, but it's interesting to me. So I'm just going to leave it there. Like, I don't like this kind of goes to like when Lowry comes back, Simone's done a good enough job defensively. Do you flip it? The, the, the numbers are beginning to show in a larger sample size right now. So Walker's our worst plus minus player from what was happening earlier in the year. We were, we're minus 12 offensively when Walker's on the floor and we're about even defensively. John right now, defensively, we're six points per 100 possessions worse when John's on the floor defensively. And we're six points percentage worse when John's on the floor offensively as well. Some of that could be player combinations. He's playing with Keontae, who's young. Again, a lot of noise here, but like this is why there's a mystery. How is a guy who's putting up great numbers every single night, double figures every night, good rebounding numbers every night, engaged, involved every night, and yet somehow something's not giving you the res the second-level number results you want to see. It's why I like second-level numbers is that it kind of ask, makes you ask this question. I don't have an answer on it, um, but it does make you ask. Uh, the question a little bit of like, what is the mystery there? What is taking place? What What's not uh, totally coming together um, the way it should? All right. We'll look at where the Wolves are. Discombobulated. I don't know if we're getting much to the Wolves today. They're really freaking good. Okay. They're like the number one defense in the league by a while. Because I actually still have three things to touch on. Discombobulated Memphis. Super comment by a caller. And a really, really daunting thought about what we have ahead of us defensively. Um, not to overplay it, but like, it's like a little frightening. Um, so those things are all still coming on today's show uh, for you. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on gets you a chance for 150 bucks. If you make one bet and you win, I have suggestions, but I'm not allowed to give them to you. So new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, 
So the app is easy to use, wide-ranging over at FanDuel, from sp- spreads to player props to over-unders and more. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to kick off the NFL season and the NBA season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. It is also the official partner of Locked On. It is our official sportsbook, and we want you as a first-time user to get that $150 bonus bet. Some fun stuff on the board tonight because you got NFL and you've got NBA. Seahawks, Cowboys. Cowboys are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over my Seahawks. I now know my wife will be watching the Seahawks game instead of the, the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz game tonight, we are a ten-and-a-half-point dog to the Minnesota Timberwolves who are rested with an over-under of 22.5. We were an underdog last night. I guess they knew something. Good games tonight. Oklahoma City is a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Lakers. The Warriors are a five-point favorite over the Clippers who did play last night and played really well, so back-to-back plays there. Uh, and then Indiana, Miami. Miami's a two-point favorite against Indiana with an over-under of 23.9. 23.9 is the over It's all at FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right. I said I had uh, three more things I want to talk about. Discombobulated in Memphis. So we got waxed last night. Uh, I just thought the whole group lost its vibe. Um, some of the things I thought were taking place actually weren't entirely accurate. I went and looked up today um, actions across the half court. It felt like we were super, super slow last night. Um, I looked it up. An average time across half court last night was actually, I was convinced it was going to be our slowest or first average time into first action. And interestingly enough, last night, so last night was our, Ninth slowest night into our first action. We were seven seconds into our first action. But here's what's super interesting. Our slowest night of the year getting into actions was against Memphis. And our third slowest night of the year getting into actions was against Memphis. Now, we were super slow right at the top of the month. Memphis, Chicago, Memphis, Minnesota, and Indiana, uh, which was Keontae's first start. But the others were like Keontae Knotts. This is probably why Will Hardy made the change when he did. If you look at it, we got super slow. Our slowest night of the year getting into actions was Memphis, November 1st. Our second was Chicago, the 6th. Then Memphis, the 10th, Keontae starting there. Then Minnesota, the 4th, not Keontae. Phoenix is in there. Then the 8th of November against Indiana. So of our slowest, five of our slowest six nights all happened within the first 10 days of March. Excuse me, of November. 10 days of November. We had sped up until last night. Then Memphis slowed us back down. But there might be something about Memphis to that. That Memphis was overplaying, doing something that creates it so that you're slow into your first action. Worth noting that Minnesota is up there for us as well um, this year. So we just were off. We're discombobulated collectively as a group. Will Hardy made the point afterwards that, like, hey, if we're going to, we've got to learn how to fight through on the road when something goes wrong and not have a bad five minutes become a bad quarter. I mean, we lost like a stretch there. That was something awful last night. We were like ahead. They went on a 12-5 run and then just kept going um, on that. Uh, so I, it actually, the overall pace is improving. Memphis slowed us down, but that might have been a Memphis issue, not a Jazz issue. I got it. Well, we should probably talk about this more as the week goes on, and maybe we'll do a Friday edition of Ask LOJ this week. But yesterday's show, thank you if you've listened to both, was about what is our pain tolerance as a Jazz fan. And um, I got it. Um, I got a comment that said, I was all fine with pain tolerance until the game started. And then when we lose, it really bothers me. And I was like, that's it. 
Like all of us can sit around the ward, the pickleball court, the hoop court, wherever we might be, the bar, and discuss logically like where the Jazz are. We're 16 months off of trading Rudy. We're 15 months off of trading Donovan. We're like 14 months off trading Boyan. And that like this is going to be a long road and it's going to take multiple years. Like I, you know, I've kind of alluded to, I think it's a three or four year process and long or longer. There's actually no track record of anyone doing it and having success with it. So we really are into uncharted waters that Oklahoma City and Houston are trying simultaneously and Detroit's trying it, as we talked about yesterday, without any back, back you know, any kind of stockpiling of picks and having a miserable time with it. And, you know, we just don't know. And so we can all sit around logically and talk about that and this and, and those things. And then once you get into the heat of the battle and you're calling the game and Bowler and I talk about this all the time, you, you want to win and then you don't win or you don't play well and your team doesn't play well and you're excited. It's your night. Like it's your event. And you know, I, 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 I told, I, I'm a hundred percent. I thought it was a great comment. And I thought about one of the philosophies I have about calling NBA games, the old school announcers, when you, when I was trained used to tell me like, Hey, you've got to hold back every night. Cause one night you might win a championship and you need another level to go to. And I started that way. And I was like, yeah, it's not really who I am, but also like, on that given night that I'm calling a game that you're list- watching a game or listening, that's the single most important game of that day. And so, yeah, sure. Hopefully five years from now, we're calling a championship and I don't have another level to go to because I've already maxed it out on a Keontae George dunk. We'll get there. We'll get there collectively. You'll be able to feel it. I've called a championship with the WNBA and you could, I, did, I actually was the most calm I ever was on any broadcast because you could just feel the arena. But my point is that like on that given night, that's the single most important thing. So then when you get, blasted by memphis who sucks or blasted by portland who sucks and you realize oh gosh like that it, yeah i got it then my pain tolerance is zero on that night i, I thought it was a brilliant comment so i just kind of wanted to buy into that i think it's right we can all logically sit here i can logically sit here i can justify i can explain but like in the moment when you're rooting for your team and and they're getting blasted in memphis on a team that's 0 and 8 at home or when you're getting blasted by portland who's lost eight straight yeah it's ugly it's no fun it sucks like i'm with you 100 percent, and it's super fun to beat new orleans and It'd be super fun to stun Minnesota tonight. Um, so I'm with you 100% on that. All right. Can I just give a fair warning here? I don't know if this is like... Someone can tell me afterwards I shouldn't have done this. Um, I just stumbled upon this. So I was prepping for the game from Memphis. And I was like, we have played a lot of terrible offensive teams. So, right now, and hopefully this gets better with where Simone is and with Walker's doing and some stuff like that. But, so, right now, we rank, I think, 29th in the league defensively. Let me check. No, we're up to 26th. Good. We're actually not even close to the bottom anymore. San Antonio, Indiana, Charlotte, and Washington are much worse. So, we're 26th. However... Portland's the worst team in the league offensively. I think we've played them twice, if not three times. Memphis, we've played three times. Chicago, we've played. The Lakers, we've played a few times. So if you go to the top of the offenses in the NBA, Indiana's by far the best in the NBA. We've played them once. Philadelphia is second. We have not played them. Dallas, we've not played them. We have four more games against them. Milwaukee, we have not played them. We have two more games against them. Fifth is Atlanta. We have not played them. We have... Two more games against them. Sixth is Phoenix. We actually have played them. We have played them twice, I believe. Maybe three times. Yes, we've played them three times. So we actually have played Phoenix. Denver is the seventh best offense in the NBA. We've played them once. 
Oklahoma City is the ninth best offense in the NBA. We have not played them yet. We have four more against them. Boston is the ninth best NBA team. And we have not played them. We have two more against them. And Brooklyn is the 10th best offensive team. We have not played them. There are one, two, three, four, five, six Eastern Conference teams. So that's 12 games. And four Western Conference teams, all of which we play, uh, all of which we play four times. So that's 12 or that's 16. So we have a collective 28 games this year against the top 10 offensive teams in the league. And if my math is right, we've played five of them. If my math is right, I'll say that again. We have a collective 28 games this year against the 10 best offensive teams in the league. And we have only played five of the 28 games we're going to play against the best offensive teams in the NBA. For those of you that stuck with the whole show, that's a hell of a nugget. And I appreciate you for sticking with the whole show. And I hope that makes it worth it. Because that's one you can drop at the water cooler to your friends. And they're like, what? How do you know that? Don't tell them I told you. Just say you came up with it. 28 games this year against the top 10 offensive teams in the NBA. And we have played five of them. I'm David Locke. You're awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a Jazz fan. Jazz Timberwolves tonight. Timberwolves are really good. They're the best in the West right now. Not surprised. I had them as the number one pick last year. They're there. Rudy is vintage. Talk to you soon. It is Locked on Jazz. We now send you over to the daily first ever 24-7 YouTube national sports stream. Locked on sports today. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you.